You're listening to Young Honest Mother, the podcast. Here, we'll chat about all things marriage, motherhood, and modern home economics, in all honesty. I'm your host, Maurice Young. All right. Well, thank you so much, April, for joining me on Young Honest Mother, the podcast today. Oh, it's my pleasure. Thanks for having me. Okay. So to start, who is April? Oh my goodness. April is so much fun. It's <laughs> kind of a hard question. I am a cheerleader. I am optimistic. I am a dog mom who is crazy about my two chihuahua mixes. Oh. Uh, I am the omega of this pack as much as I like to think I'm the alpha, but they really run the show. And I'm a, a businesswoman, an entrepreneur, and I just love to help people. So that's me. I love that. So businesswoman, entrepreneur, and someone that loves to help people, how did that all come together for you in your life? How are you able to tie all of these things together um, in your like professional realm? Oh my gosh. Well, so my journey began way back in the early 2000s okay. and I never thought that I would go into medicine at all. But I had a friend who was suffering from asthma, and I just saw my friend suffer so much. And when he was taking handfuls of pills, and I thought to myself, there's got to be a better way than this. So I started researching natural medicine, and I went back to school, and the classes that interested me were the science classes. And I didn't know anything like a naturopath even existed in my world. And when I found out what a naturopathic doctor was, I'm like, that's it. That's what I want to do. So I've always been a nurturer at heart and an empath and a very uh, loving and nurturing person. So this was sort of a perfect fit for me. And kind of along the way in my journey, you keep refining and refining. And eventually I landed on what I do now, which is really helping people uh, empower themselves getting rid of guilt, shame, regret, and just feeling happy and free. So that's sort of where my journey has taken me so far. Wow. I think what you do is so fascinating and so necessary, um, especially in this day and age where social media is at our fingertips and the news is going a mile a minute with all of these different events. It can be very easy to feel very anxious and overwhelmed and um, you know, just stressed in general about life. And so to have someone like you be able to walk people through how to unburden themselves from those emotions and, you know, kind of release the tension that's been building up is so helpful. Absolutely. Modern day life is tough. Being a human is tough. That's tough stuff. So there's a lot of things that we suffer with uh, that I feel are unnecessary and it's just due to conditioning or we're afraid of what other people might think and judgment and honestly if if I can help someone get out of those limited beliefs it takes a load off it's almost like your spirit just lets out a big sigh and that's my favorite part about what I do is to watch someone put these moments together and they have this aha moment and they're finally free. So that's what keeps me doing this over and over again, because I just love it. That's so powerful. Okay, so I want to rewind a little bit. So you mentioned pursuing becoming a naturopathic doctor. Yes. 
break it down for me. What does that mean? What did you have to do to become one? And um, tell me a little bit more about what your day-to-day life looks like now. Absolutely. So this is such a loaded question, and I'm so glad you asked it because (laughs) being a naturopathic doctor is the best thing I've ever done. And depending on where you live in the United States, that's going to mean a couple of different things. So naturopathic medicine is not federally recognized. So it's a quirky little thing about the U.S. is the federal government lets each individual state govern themselves to some degree. So each individual state gets to determine whether they recognize and license naturopathic medicine. So in those states that recognize naturopathic medicine, there's about 23 of them. Okay. In order to be a naturopathic doctor or naturopathic physician, you need to have attended a four-year postgraduate naturopathic medical school. And in that naturopathic medical school, the first year is identical to any medical school in the country. So it's all of your basic sciences, your foundation. But in naturopathic school, the second year on, we begin to differentiate. So in these accredited schools, we learned pharmacology, patient uh, case studies. We learned how to diagnose and treat diseases in the Western way. But we also get this entire holistic education where we learn homeopathy, nutritional medicine. We get over two years of nutrition. And that's really about learning the power of nutrition, the right form of nutrient, how much of it you need to give, two years of that. Then we also add on homeopathy, botanical medicine, drug herb interactions, physical medicine, traditional Chinese medicine. And I usually joke that seeing a naturopathic doctor is a lot like seeing a traditional MD, a chiropractor, nutritionist, counselor, acupuncturist, um, homeopath. Uh, it's, it's all rolled into one is seeing wow. a naturopathic doctor because our training is that comprehensive. And the last two years, we also begin our residency. Our residency is built into the program. So we do begin to treat patients at, time, at that time under the supervision of an attending physician. So it's the hardest thing I've ever done in my life. I can only uh, imagine. Oh, man. And I was in my mid-30s. I, I started when I was 32 and I finished at 36. So I was not a young buck doing this at all. Uh, so that's what it takes to be a naturopathic physician from an accredited school. And at the end, do you do you have a doctorate of naturopathic medicine or and you use ND instead of MD, or you can use NMD, naturopathic medical doctor, are the two designations we can use depending on the state. Now, for those of you that live in an unlicensed state like we do here in Texas, there is no regulation on what is a naturopathic doctor at, at all. So anyone who takes an online class or a mail order correspondence class, a home study, self-study, can call themselves a naturopathic doctor. They have no medical training. uh, They have no oversight. And the general public doesn't know the difference, which is frightening. In fact, it's actually a felony to practice naturopathic medicine in three states. And that is because these unlicensed naturopaths have killed people. 
because they mm. don't have medical training. For example, I believe it was South Carolina. It's Tennessee, South Carolina, and Florida are the three states where it's a felony to practice. And I want to say it was South Carolina, an unlicensed naturopathic doctor. I wish you could see my air quotes here. Um, <laughs> <laughs> uh, took a type 1 diabetic child off of their insulin and the child died. Wow. And that is a perfect example of how dangerous it is to try to treat the public medicinally when you don't have a really strong medical background. Mm -hmm. And if anyone out there is interested, each individual state will have a naturopathic association and you can lobby your um, senators and Congress to try to pass naturopathic medicine in your state. And it really is a public health issue. We need to make it safe for everyone. And the latest trend in naturopathic medicine is there's something called board certified naturopathic doctor. And that sounds really fancy and legit. But when I checked into it, to become a board certified naturopathic doctor, you pay $900, they send you some home study material, and you take a test. And then congratulations, you're now a board certified naturopathic doctor. Whether or not you've gotten that medical training. You get no medical training. It's a home study course. <laughs> and you never see a patient. You never get any training. And I'm here to tell you learning something from a book is much different than having an attending physician oversee your treatment plans and what you're going to do for two years. So I do caution people, if you want to see a naturopathic doctor, check into their training because there are only five accredited naturopathic medical schools in the country. And mm. if your doctor did not go to one of those five, then they've done some sort of home study correspondence or online class, and they may not have a good solid medical background behind them. Mm. That is so helpful to know. It's crazy, right? It's, it's honestly wild. But at the same time, I'm not too shocked because I know that I think right now we're just in a phase where we're starting to become more and more accepting of holistic or more natural approaches. And, you know, up until this point, it's been kind of something that has, at least from the outside looking, and of course, I'm not a naturopathic doctor, so I don't have firsthand experience, but it seems like anyone calling themselves holistic or more um, natural have been more ostracized from the medical community. What has or your um, perspective looked like on that? Do you feel that things are changing? I do. I do. Uh, even the traditional medical community, they are starting to embrace something called functional medicine, which is yeah. really what naturopathic medicine is. It's a holistic, a whole body approach. And that's really great to see. So if you cannot find a naturopathic doctor in your area, I would encourage someone to look for a functional medicine doctor and they will get a different standard of care. So it is great that mainstream is catching on because the public is demanding something different. And that's, you know, dollars speak. So where you choose to spend your dollars matters and it is changing. So what attracted you to a more holistic approach? It was really seeing my friend. I opened his medicine cabinet one day and there was shelf after shelf after shelf of pills and the poor guy was taking one pill and it would cause a side effect so they needed another pill and then another one and it was just this huge cascade and even in my own life I my own personal story 
is the year before I went to medical school, I had already been accepted. I was just finishing up the last of my undergrad. I herniated a disc in my back in a workplace injury. So I tried to treat it holistically with chiropractic massage and physical therapy. But because this was a workplace accident, after about four months, they sent me to be medically evaluated. And during that evaluation, they recommended injection therapies with cortisone. Mm. And if you know anything about that sort of spiral, it's first it's the cortisone, then comes the opiates or the pain medication, and then eventually it's surgery, which may or may not fix the problem. And I did not want to be caught up in that vicious cycle. So I, when I went to naturopathic medical school, it blew my mind. I learned so many things, but I I tried lots of alternative treatments. I did an environmental detox. I did acupuncture, continue with chiropractic and physical therapy and massage, um, homeopathy. I did a natural form of injection therapy that uses your own body's healing mechanism without any kind of drugs. And that was all helpful. But I learned in school that emotions or stress can get trapped in the body and it acts like an obstacle to cure or think about it like a major roadblock. You could be doing all the right things, but until you get this roadblock out of the way, nothing's going to get through. It's like a crash on the highway. So I figured that I had something going on in my low back emotionally, but I didn't know how to get it. I didn't know how to find it. I didn't know how to take it out until one day I saw a chiropractor. He came to my school and he did this technique called neuroemotional technique. He did a presentation on it. And as soon as I saw this presentation, I'm like, that's it. Full body chills. I'm like, I knew that this guy is going to be able to help me. And sure enough, within about two sessions, he gets to the root of the problem, which is grief. And in this therapy, we're able to find out what emotion is trapped in your body. Is it even your emotion or someone else's? And how old you were when this original disconnect, when the the emotions got trapped in your body. So for me, it came down to grief and I was four years old and it had something to do with my dad. So the chiropractor asked me, what happened with your dad when you were four? And I grew up hearing this story my whole life of my dad was waiting in line for a movie and he was carrying me, you know, like dads do, sleepy kids. And he herniated a disc in his back. And I remember when I was a little kid, he would have me walk on his back. And I remember him going for back surgery and he had all these back problems. But what my little girl brain did is it said, I hurt dad. It's my fault. Mm. So what my body did was manifest the same injury at the same spinal segment at the same age my father was when he had his initial injury. It's almost like a form of punishment, if you will. It was my fault. So as soon as the chiropractor, the therapist put all of this together and he led me through a really gentle release technique to realign this brain pathway and get stress out of your body when when he realigned that, my pain went away. And I've been pain-free for a decade, 10 years. Before that point, I was in chronic pain every day for three years. It affected my quality of life. I was afraid to go out with my friends because what if I got hurt? 
I was sitting in class all day, Monday through Friday from eight to five in pain until that moment. And this technique cleared my pain and set me free. And it was at that moment, I said, as soon as I graduate, I'm going to learn this technique because I want to bring that kind of relief to other people. So in 2014, I changed my practice model from primary care to doing mental, emotional, stress relief, healthcare. And that's what I've been doing ever since. And that is my passion is to help people just release this trapped stress in their body that's causing physical pain, anxiety attacks, fears, phobias, procrastinations, self-sabotaging behavior, uh, limited thinking, you name it. And uh, that's what I do today. Neuroemotional technique. Okay. Wow. (laughs) (laughs) Mind blown. (laughs) I am truly blown away. (laughs) But also... I'm not shocked because I think a lot of people tend to forget that the that the body is can hold on to our emotions and to experiences and and trauma, you know. Absolutely. Um, and everything is so connected that these experiences can impact our health in many different ways, and in um, many different symptoms can start to appear. Mm-hmm. So I'm curious, like you in the story of what you experienced, you mentioned that the practitioner was able to locate mm-hmm. um, your, or like identify your age and also the the kind of emotion that was trapped. Like, can you walk me and the listeners through how one can do that? Like what did it actually look like? Sure. So neuroemotional technique or NET for short really works on a three brain principle. So instead of having one brain like we think, we have three distinct areas that function as if they had their own personalities with their own motivations. Hmm. So the first level of your brain is called your survival brain and, or your unconscious brain. And this is the brain that's considered our default mode. So it's one of the most powerful pieces of our brains because this is the piece of the brain that will hijack the others and take over if you're in a life-threatening situation. This is your fight, flight, or freeze mechanism. It controls, and it's concerned with everything you need for life, whether you have food, shelter, air, enough water, and it wants to keep you safe. And this part of the brain also controls the reflexes that you don't have to think about, like breathing, blinking, or heart rate. Mm -hmm. And this particular brain doesn't necessarily care if you're happy or comfortable. It only cares about, are you safe and do you have what you need? And this brain's definition of safe and what you need is very different than what the other brains consider safe and what you need. Hmm. So that alone creates a lot of internal conflict. And the next piece of the brain is your emotional brain or your subconscious. And this brain stores everything we think or believe to be true about ourselves, our circumstances, our other people, um, our self-identity is here, sexuality, religious and spiritual preferences are all here. And this is where we get our feelings heard. It's true. It's pure emotion. There is no logic in this brain. And this brain is timeless. It has no concept of time. So something that happened to you at five 
and now you're 35, the brain doesn't know you're not five anymore. Mm. And this brain also makes up its own reality. It's called emotional reality. And this emotional reality does not correspond to actual reality. It's why you can have PTSD symptoms just by watching a war movie or hearing a veteran speak. Even though you weren't there, if this brain finds enough similarities between you and this other person, it will create the reality that all those things actually happen to you. And you can display symptoms of PTSD without ever having been to war. So it's really fascinating. And then you have the logical brain or the conscious brain. And this is the brain that we think is in charge. It's math, language, logic, reasoning, right from wrong. It's facts. Mm -hmm. But actually, the other two brains make up to 80 to 90% of every decision you make, everything you do is based on survival and emotion, not logic. This is why it's really hard to change behavior sometimes because you can have the logical thought, for example, of I want to lose weight. That's a great logical thought. But one of the other two brains may not think it's safe or possible for you to lose weight. So it may create an internal conflict, self-sabotaging behavior. And it's that example of you make this decision, you're going to eat well, you pack a nice healthy lunch, you go to work, somebody's left donuts in the break room. So you hold out as long as you can, but eventually you have a donut. And it's because that survival brain is going, food is life. I need you to eat that donut. And actually, I would like you to eat three of them. Because the more food, the more better, especially if it's high fat. Because fat is what keeps you alive in case we can't get food. And then the emotional brain is the one that beats yourself up because you're like, donuts are horrible. I have no willpower. I'm a loser. What's wrong with me? And the logical brain is over here scratching its head and going, I don't know what happened. I felt really good when I left the house today. I don't know why I caved and ate the donut. And it's because that logical brain is not the one in charge. The other two are. So what neuroemotional technique does is it uses kind of a three-pronged approach. We use kinesiology or muscle testing as an entry point because if you've ever had the patellar reflex, you know, where the doctor hits your knee with the hammer and your leg kicks up, that's out of your conscious control. That's the survival brain. So you could even sit there and go, I'm not going to kick my leg up. But as soon as that hammer hits your knee, there it goes. And we use that as an entry point to check and see if there's a problem because your brain will respond to the sound of your own voice saying something one of the three brains doesn't believe to be true. So if you have a weak muscle test, which is you hold your arm out, and if we press down on that arm and it stays nice and strong, that's, that's what we call congruency. It's all portions of your brain believe it. For example, if I said my name is April, that's my birth name, my arm is going to stay nice and strong because my brain knows that's really me. I have total agreement there. But if I were to say, my name is Sarah, my arm is going to drop. It's out of my conscious control. Because at that point, when I say my name is Sarah, these brains are going to go, that's a lie. And there is a difference between what we think, what we believe, and what we think we believe. And those are three very different things. So if someone has a weak muscle test, it lets the practitioner know, 
that there's some inner conflict or disagreement between these three brains. And I often will use something like, I, I want to win the lottery, or I'm okay winning the lottery. Because most people I know think that's awesome. They would love it. They would not turn a million dollars down. But when I test people and they say, I'm okay winning the lottery, eight out of 10 people are not okay winning the lottery for some hidden subconscious reason. So when you have a weak muscle test or your arm drops, that clues us in number one, there is conflict. And the second piece of this is Chinese medicine, because in Chinese medicine, every organ of the body corresponds to an emotion. For example, the liver is anger, the lungs are grief, the kidneys are fear. And there are pulse points on your wrist that correspond to these Chinese meridians. So we're able to find which emotion is trapped in your body. Is it anger? Is it fear? Is it shame? Is it worry? And then the third piece makes this really unique, especially for those who are highly sensitive or empaths, very healing, very nurturing. We can tend to hold on to things that don't belong to us and a misguided attempt to heal. And we don't even know we're doing it. It's an unconscious thing. We just want to relieve suffering. We want to make somebody feel better. But unfortunately, sometimes we do that by taking on their stuff. So the problem you're having may not actually be your problem. And that makes it really hard to solve for most therapies. Mm -hmm. So we can tell you what emotions trapped in the body, whose emotion it is, and how old you were when this inner conflict arose, all by muscle testing. And for example, in this lottery, so if, if you were not okay winning the lottery and the emotion that tested out was shame, I would ask you to connect those things. How would you feel shame about winning the lottery? And the logical brain is going to try to kick in and go, I wouldn't. Winning the lottery would be amazing. But you might have this limited subconscious belief of I don't deserve that money. Or other people deserve it more than me. And if you have that kind of internal programming, then no, you won't be okay winning the lottery. It's not a vibrational match for you. So you might feel bad that now you're a millionaire, but yet there's children starving in the U.S. and other countries in the world. And so I'm going to play this little question and answer with you. And it's about what would be the worst thing that would happen or what's the worst part about that for you? And with each answer you give me, I keep testing you. And the goal is to get you down to this core wound that I really can't bust down any further. Mm -hmm. So these are the hot button things that we hold on so deeply to. And they tend to be things like failure, alone, unworthy, unloved, sad, stuck, and lost. So when we find out the original emotion, for example, shame, and then that core wound of alone, then we have a little something to work with. We do a little muscle test to find out how old you were when you or someone else felt the combination of shame and alone. And we'll take you back to a particular age. It's not hypnosis. So you are conscious, you are fully participating, and this technique really does kind of make you think. But that subconscious brain never forgets. It's like me when I was four. I don't consciously remember my dad getting injured. 
but I remembered the aftermath and my family kept telling me this story. And that was enough to lodge that grief in my body. I felt sad that my dad got hurt because of me. And the stuff that we carry, it doesn't make logical sense. If it did, we could clear it ourselves. But it's that deep stuff that's that doesn't make sense that we hold on to. And that is partially formed by our conditioning that we had as children from our parents, from our teachers. And then that our own moral system, what we decided was right and wrong, these play a part in forming who we are, our personality. So through neuroemotional technique, we help you realign brain pathways that get disconnected due to traumatic or stressful events. And it's a very simple technique of engaging a few certain points on the hands and the forehead with some nice deep breathing techniques. And then we do muscle testing to make sure that the memory is cleared. And it actually takes me longer to explain it than it does to do it. So the technique (laughs) goes really fast. Wow. So I'm familiar with muscle testing and NET, but I've never heard anyone explain it in quite the way you just did. Like it had never, I never understood how muscle testing worked. And so the way that you helped me visualize, you know, the little hammer on the knee and how you can tell yourself as much as you tell yourself, Mm -hmm. I'm not going to have my knee move when they do this to me. You can't actually stop it from happening. No, there are some things that are out of control and that survival brain controls those things. And if if I were to give these brains personalities, the survival brain is like a caveman. <sighs> it really wants food, wants shelter, and you want to feel safe. And anything that threatens those things activates that caveman. So in modern day society, money is the thing that activates that caveman more than anything else because money is how we get food and water and shelter. So money is what allows us to have the most important things to that brain. So anything that threatens our financial situation will send up alarm bells in a major way. And the other category that causes us the most stress in life is love because this brain also is concerned with family and tribe. So if there's anything that threatens a a potential mate situation or if you are feeling like an outcast or ostracized, this brain views it as alone. And to this brain, when you are alone, your chances of survival decrease. So that this brain views it as death. It's, it's constantly running the odds of death. <laughs> oh, my gosh. This brain is what will sometimes keep you in a bad situation because it knows how to operate in that situation. For example, when I went to one of these trainings many years ago, the the teacher, he said that he had a client and she came to him because she wanted to have a good love relationship and she kept attracting these very abusive men. So as he dug into her past, he found out that her father abused her mother and the mother left when the girl was five, but left the girl with her father. 
So she learned very quickly, if I'm very quiet, I bring dad his dinner and his slippers, I don't get hit. So her brain learned how to function in that kind of environment. So she's unconsciously, subconsciously attracting men because her brain is like, I can keep us safe with an abuser. But if you bring me Prince Charming, I don't know what Mm. to do with that. I don't know what to do when somebody treats me well and gives me unconditional love. That makes me feel unsafe because I can't control that situation. So sabotages run really deep and they don't make sense. Mm. I, I guess if I could get anybody, <laughs> like the summary and the moral of today, is sabotages run deep yeah. and they don't make sense. But I can help you make sense of them. I can find them for you, give you the big picture, get those brains online with what you want to do and clear that garbage out. Oh gosh, yeah. I feel like everyone needs to to work with you or someone who does this technique. I'm really interested because... <laughs> It's just, you don't know what you don't know. You know, I know that's a very common phrase, but there are so many emotions and experiences, like I spoke about before, that we could be holding on to that could be affecting our health in the here and now that we haven't even connected. So to have someone who is trained and very knowledgeable about guiding someone through releasing all of those, wow, like that's that's what I need. So. I love it. I and I just love it. I'm so I passionate tell. about um, it. Your passion definitely comes through the way that you speak and the way that you're just so excited about helping people clear these, you know, emotions yes. from their their bodies and their lives. And so I'm curious too, like what are some practical tips that the listeners at home or in their cars or wherever they may be um can implement in their lives to help better manage anxiety and and stress? It's a great question. And I will sing the praises of meditation <laughs> from the rooftops. And I know that everybody's like, oh, meditation. There are different types of meditation out there. And what I do personally is there's an app on my phone. It's called Insight Timer, I-N-S-I-G-H-T Timer. It's a free app that you can download. And they have meditations that range from two minutes to two hours. So if you are like, I'm a busy mom, I don't have a lot of time in my day, Mm -hmm. two minutes. And they have meditations that are guided or just music. So even if you are a mom, put it on the classical music station if you can, or nature sounds, because that alone will help calm that little caveman brain. And, and make you feel safe again. So, and my form of meditation is I don't sit down. I don't chant um, I don't do any of that stuff. I lay in my recliner, put some nature sounds and music on, and I just do some deep breathing. Because that fight or flight response, it actually messes up the way you breathe. So when you are in a stressful situation, you breathe shallow. But when you are in that relaxed, parasympathetic state, you take some nice, deep breaths. And the brain works better with Mm -hmm. oxygen. So even if you just make a point, you're driving the kids to school, or even if you're sitting in traffic, if you can just put the classical music on, 
and breathe in for a count of four, breathe out for a count of four. Doing that for just two minutes a day is life changing. So that's number one tip right there. I'm also a big fan of journaling because especially as women, we tend to stuff things down. But if you do an exercise about a a letter you're never going to send, if you are frustrated that day, something, just write it down, put it all on paper. Any conversation you wish you would have had with somebody, anything you want to say, put it on paper and then you can burn it. You can rip it up. You can leave it in the journal. But just getting it out of you calms that subconscious brain a little bit because if you even just visualize relaxing or visualizing having a great conversation with someone, that brain doesn't know the difference. It doesn't know that didn't actually happen. So it's pretty easy to reprogram that subconscious brain by just doing a few simple things. So journaling to get out your emotions, doing some deep breathing, meditation, uh, there are a couple of other things I can recommend. There's something called um, flower essences, and you can find them at most health food stores, Bach Flower Essence. There's something called a Rescue Remedy, and it's a group of flowers that energetically help calm you if you've been stressed or shocked or after a traumatic event. And these flower essences are safe for pets and children, and they're not contraindicated with any medications. It's just an energetic form of medicine. So these are quick little things that you can do that really make a difference. Thank you. Yeah, all of those things are, like you said, quick, easy, and then even though they sound somewhat simple, they can be so powerful and so effective. Absolutely. The basics are where the gold is. Uh, I Truly. totally agree. Yes. So going back to the flower essences, you mentioned that mm-hmm. they are a form of like energetic medicine. Is that the phrase that yes. you use? Right. Mm-hmm. Tell me more about that. What does energetic mean in that phrase? Sure. So if you look at energy like frequency, every cell of our body emits an energy. Some of you may have heard the term aura is we just have our bodies are energy. If you've ever seen the movie, The Matrix, they, it's why the, the robots use us as a battery, right? Because we do make and produce energy. And just like any source of energy, your batteries can get run down or your electrical circuits can glitch a little bit. So energetic forms of medicine just help you work out those glitches hmm. so that you feel better and that you run more efficiently. So with a flower essence, there's no particulate flower in it. So it doesn't contain pieces of flower or anything Mm -hmm. like that. But the way these work is water is super special. Water can be programmed to carry certain frequencies. Hmm. And I'm not sure if you've ever heard of uh, Dr. Masaru Emoto. I have and like yes. into the water and how it they like, create different formations. Yes. Yes. So just by speaking health, if you put a sticker on your water glass that said I am healthy and you said this is such fresh, pure, clean water, you are changing and reprogramming 
the molecules of that water, that frequency for a higher vibration. But flower essences do the same thing. So if you were in a car accident, Rescue Remedy would be amazing because the frequency of those flowers, it's four flowers that are combined and they help you with shock, with being foggy, with being stressed and a trauma. And modern day life, a lot of stuff about modern day life is traumatic. Mm -hmm. So I've even given Rescue Remedy to my dog because she used to be afraid to ride in the car when we were on the freeway. She would just shake in terror. So I wanted to take her to this camping site that was three hours away, but I felt so bad because my little dog was terrified. Yeah. So I gave her rescue remedy in the car about every 10 to 30 minutes and she was fine. And after that one trip, she never needed rescue remedy in the car again. Wow. It, it just is miraculous at helping you feel calm and working out those glitches mm-hmm. that happen because of stress and trauma. Mm. Thank you for sharing more about what that means. And I, I know that people tend to hear the word energy and they're like, oh, this, that's so woo-woo right. like phrase. But it's science. It is <laughs> right. science. And I'm, I'm super grateful to be able to speak with you, a naturopathic doctor, on the podcast to kind of do some myth busting, you know, and yes. kind of clear the way for what's real and, you know, what, what actually works. Absolutely. It's my pleasure. Thank you for having me. Yes. Yeah. So as we wrap up our conversation, where can people stay in touch with you and find out more about your work? Absolutely. So I, my website is evolvenaturalwellness.com. So you can check out my website. I've got an entire list of services on there. And or you can send me an email at evolvenaturalwellness at gmail.com. And I'm on Facebook at Evolve Natural Wellness or Dr. April Darley ND or all great places to find me. I'm even on Instagram under Dr. April Darley. So I know I'm trying to be all social media like. (laughs) That's great because... I mean, social media, while it does sometimes get a bad rep, it really can connect you with so many people. And I know that helping people is a passion of yours. I can tell it by just the way that you speak. So I'm glad that you're out there in the interwebs, as they say, sharing helpful information like this. Well, thank you so much, April. I've really enjoyed chatting with you today. Thank you. And that's it for this episode of Young Honest Mother, the podcast, which means it's time for you to join the conversation. Share your thoughts on social media and tag me at Young Honest Mother. And then pass this episode along to friends and family who need to know that they're not alone on this journey either. Until next time, I'm your host, Maurice Young.